Hey everybody, welcome to the Inspire Podcast. This is Matt. And this is Brad. We are the pastors of Inspire Church in Westfield, Indiana. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening around here, be sure to subscribe to our text updates by texting the keyword INSPIRE. That's N-S-P-I-R-E to 317-451-4111. We hope the following message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. that we think are going to bring us happiness. You may not realize this, like we are hardwired as human beings, cognitively speaking, to be always looking for more. Have you noticed that about your fellow human being, the other members of your species? It's hard for us, nigh impossible, to ever reach a point of complete contentment. Because we're always looking over the fence and thinking that the grass over there looks just a little bit greener. And we're always chasing after something else. And we think, you know, if only I got that job, this one dream job that I've been looking for, then I would be happy. Or if I got that promotion, that new position. Or if I finally got recognized, if I received this award, if I got this diploma, this certificate, if I, if I, if I had a spouse, if I didn't have a spouse, if I uh, had my kids. I mean, the, we, we have all these things that we chase after that we think bring happiness or contentment. And this morning we want to talk about, as we kick this off, this, this idea of chasing fame. Now, when I tell you that, probably most of you being relatively mature, uh, middle-aged adults have come to the realization for you that, like, that, that career in the NFL probably isn't happening, right? Or, or that band that you thought you would form and like, would tear up the charts, probably not going to really come off that, uh, that well. So like, we've kind of let go most of us, of this desire for fame. But I I, I want to challenge you because I think that maybe there's some elements of fame that maybe you're not thinking through. And I'll I'll tell you a little bit later on in the message. But before we start, can we talk about for a little bit that that our culture, the culture that we live in, we we are obsessed with fame. You know, when you check out at the grocery store, you'll see magazines like this that line the aisles, you know, the People Magazine and Star Magazine. Uh, my, my, both of my girls uh, re- got braces, and every time I would drop them off, Lisa and I, we'd have, to, we'd have all these appointments. Anybody who's in the braces phase knows how that works there. We're, you know, we'd drop our kids off, and so I sit there, you know, while they just like slowly siphon the money out of my out of my wallet, it seems, there for uh, putting the braces on our kids. But at, at this particular office where we would go, they had only these kind of magazines, you know, your people and star magazines and stuff. And so I don't typically read that, but, you know, I'm curious just like everybody else. And he flipped through them every time I'd go there, and it's like, you know, and here's Hugh Jackman on the beach, and he's got a little bit of a beer belly going on. He doesn't look as good as he did in Wolverine. What's going on? Is he letting himself go? Or what's happening with Kate Middleton? And, you know, our culture is obsessed with fame and with the famous, right? The lifestyles of the rich and famous, they intrigue us. We want to know, you know, are they just like everybody else? And, and nowhere is our desire to find out how the famous really are more evident than, well, than in the sports world. Because, like, you know, we hold and elevate people in the sports world to, you know, this, this incredible pedestal in, in our American culture, you know, we, we look up to and we aspire and, and like for a lot of us, you know, it's kind of like living vicariously 
through these various athletes, right? You know, some of you this afternoon are going to be, you know, armchair referees on your, on your sofas as you're yelling at the bad plays or the bad coaching, you know, as if you had any right whatsoever to be able to offer any kind of input on that game. But, you know, today, you know, it's the Super Bowl, right? This is like the, the pinnacle of success. If you are a football player, an American football player, you know, this for you would be kind of like, you know, the ultimate achievement. And what's going to happen, I guarantee, because it happens every time, is that the, the networks will look at the two teams, and then they will do one of these segments on the various players of how that player got to where they are today. And they'll start with a picture of them as a little kid and stuff and say that they showed all kinds of promise as a, as a young, developing athlete. And it got me thinking, like, you know, how do, how do we start out in, this, in something like this? So, like, you know, football players, you know, we've, we've seen these kind of games, right, you know, where you get these little kids up. It's more like getting them dressed up for Halloween because it's more of a costume than it is, like, actual sports apparel. But it's cute. We, we put them out on the field and we watch. For us, uh, you you know, my girls, they played soccer, and we used to love watching them because, you know, I mean, you were doing good if they ran the right way and didn't score on their own goal, right? So, like, everybody starts out that way, and at this age here, it's more kind of cute, but then you get a little more serious, you get into the JV. So, you know, the, that young aspiring football player is on the JV team, and, you know, it, coaches at this level, they're not, like, yelling in kids' faces. They're not working complicated plays. They're really developing the players, but somewhere between JV and high school, that's where these students start to get ideas of like, man, I, I kind of like this. And then they move from like, you know, your varsity teams to your high school teams. And, and depending on the school and where you go to, that's where things get a little bit more serious, right? You know, you're starting to kind of weed out the real legit players from the ones who are just kind of there because they're, you know, trying to pick up girls, right? So like the ones who are actually committing themselves to, they're starting to think, in their head, I might be able to make something of this sport. Talk to just about any, any first string player, like in, in high school, they have dreams of one day being famous for their ability to play on the field. And then, you know, they, they start getting scouted by the, the coaches and and the, the colleges, and there are colleges that start knocking on their door and tell them, you know, if you're if you really want, you can apply. You'll receive a full scholarship, and then you can, then you can play for this college. And so that the athlete then goes on to a college level. They're playing for a college, and they're starting to feel real successful. But you know what's interesting is along the way, as they continue to develop, they don't reach this point where they sit back and they're like, all right, this is good enough for me. I, I think I'm okay with just progressing to this level. Because what does every college player want? Well, you know what? I think I have what it takes to make it in the NFL. And it's tough because that's where it really gets challenging. Because you may have been a big fish in a small pond in your college, depending on where you went. But then, man, you get pulled up to the NFL, and then all of a sudden, you're, you know, it's at a totally different level. But then you're in the NFL, and Okay, maybe you're, you know, a special team or you're, you're not, you know, first, first round draft pick, but, you know, you're in the NFL and that's an accomplishment. You're actually getting paid to do this thing that you love. But talk to any NFL player. 
They don't say, you know what, I'm just glad to be getting a paycheck and now here and playing the game every week. I just have fun. I don't really care about the Super Bowl. No, of course they want the Super Bowl. Every single one of them want to be the best that they can. And so then they strive and strive to be on the right team so that one day they can play for the Super Bowl trophy and they can win. But fame and recognition is fleeting and so quickly gone, isn't it? You know, I was talking earlier about our obsession with famous people, and we, on Facebook earlier this week, we asked some of you for your uh, stories of your brushes with fame, and some of you have had some pretty good ones there. Uh, some of the best stories were the ones that didn't make it on the Facebook page, where I had a couple people say, I, I don't think I can share this legitimately on the Facebook page, which is always intriguing when somebody tells you that, you know, like partying backstage with the Rolling Stones and that kind of stuff, you know, so I'm like, that's pretty cool. Um, but I, I've had a few brushes with fame. I'll, I'll share a few of them here with you. Now, this first few may not be as famous to you. They're famous to me. So there's first one was an author. His name is John Philip Newell. Uh, had the privilege of uh, doing a pilgrimage in Iona, Scotland that he led. And he's written several books that have been so impactful to me. And uh, this picture means a lot because like the handful of conversations I had with him in Scotland were very meaningful. And so like, you know how it is where you remember fondly a person who made a difference in your life. That was really impactful to me. His name is John Philip Newell. That was in 2016. Uh, this next one was in 2014 at a comic convention here in Indianapolis. I got to meet George Perez. George Perez is the artist who developed the character of Thanos. So if you have seen any of the Infinity War movies there in the Marvel Universe, you are familiar with this character. And so this was the artist who actually drew Thanos in those comics. And so like to meet him was really, really cool. And I met him. Uh, he signed my comics, which several of which I have framed in my office. And then he drew this picture of Thanos for me that I have framed on my office. And that is just so cool to me to like meet somebody like that. Because I'm like, this guy is an artist, but like he did something he loved. And like the, the character he created went on to become this huge character in a multi-billion dollar film franchise. So that was kind of cool, you know? So that was George Perez. That was in 2014. Again, my celebrities and your celebrities probably are going to be a little bit different, I'm guessing here. But uh, stick with me. This next one here, Rob Bell. Um, I, back when he was still making his NUMA videos, anybody who remembers that from way back in the day, I visited him up in uh, Grand Rapids there and uh, drove up with some friends. And also it was 2009, so I made the unfortunate decision of wearing that hat and that man purse or whatever I was wearing there. But uh, <laughs> anywho... So there's that. This next one is not me, but I thought it was kind of cool. My daughter, Chloe, met John Green, who's an Indianapolis native. He's an author of several amazing novels. Super, super cool guy. And uh, my daughter would just be horrified that I was showing that picture of her and her braces there uh, from back in 2015. But she's in college now, so I can show all the pictures I want. She won't know, right? So just don't tell her. But I, I thought that was kind of cool. She got to meet John Green. Um, this next one here, you may not know this person or this series, um, but this is Jewel State from arguably one of the most amazing short-lived TV shows ever to hit television called Firefly. It was aired on Fox. It was only canceled after one season, but the fan following behind it is just like intense to the point where to this day, uh, Nathan Fillion or Jewel State or any of these characters, any of these actors that portrayed any of these characters, if they were to go to a comic convention after one season, there will be a long line of people who will pay money to get their picture taken with them and to see them. 
So like, this is cool. I love this TV show. When I found out that Jewel was going to be coming to Indianapolis at the comic convention, I went there and I got that picture and, I, and she was able to sign my Blu-ray uh, uh, cover there. And I had to explain to Lisa that when she wrote, I love my Captain, she wasn't talking about me. She actually, that's something she says in the TV show. That took a little bit of explaining. I had to walk that back. When I got home, she's like, she had drew a heart on there and stuff. I'm like, Dude, we just talked. That was all it was. So, uh, yeah, that was Jewel State. Um, the next one here, Joy Williams of the, uh, the band of Civil Wars. Uh, this was pre-Grammy days, like before they went on to win their Grammys. Uh, we saw them in concert back when there was maybe three, 400 people in Indianapolis. Uh, it was a great, so I've seen them multiple times and had the opportunity to meet Joy after one of the concerts, met uh, John after another one there. So uh, that was kind of cool that we did it. And this next one, is, this is probably my, my biggest claim to fame. To be clear, I didn't actually meet this person, but let me tell you what happened. I saw in 2011 up in Michigan, I saw you two uh, on tour, and we, our seats got moved around, and so we were kind of like right by the stage where the, the stairs, you can see we're kind of uh, where they come around there. And as Bono and Edge and the band are walking on stage, they're walking by, and I reached my hand out, and I got a high five from Bono. Like, our hands connected, and it was like sparks, chemistry. He, like, I still think to this day remembers that fateful high five he received from me. And it was a special moment that we shared in just that brief uh, passing before he went on stage. He didn't wash his hand for a week. It was so cool. Um, so that was, that was probably my biggest claim to fame. Again, not exactly meeting them, but that was a really, really cool moment. Um, you know, we, we uh, look to fame and the, to the famous people because we ultimately play out our fantasies of like, man, it would be so cool if we were famous like them, you know? I mean, how cool would it be to like have, you know, the, the yachts and the, the people that drive you around and to be able to like, you know, get a reservation at any restaurant you want just simply by dropping your name. Not dropping somebody else's name, but dropping your own name will get you a reservation, right? You know, we, we think the famous have all these things, right? And it was Jim Carrey who said, um, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. Uh, the reality is, is that there is this allure with, with fame, with celebrity, that we think uh, has more in store of happiness than actually it does. Proverbs 25, Solomon, uh, the wisest man who had lived at that time, said that it is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. Now, this was kind of a Jewish way of relaying information is by kind of like laying these two things side by side. So he's saying, in the same way that like, you know, if you ever just like pig out and eat too much dessert to the point where like it makes you sick, to pursue your own greatness, your own fame, your own celebrity will leave you feeling empty. And you don't have to take my word for it. It doesn't matter what field or discipline that you look to, anybody, without exception, anybody who makes it to the top of their game will tell you that not only did it not bring the contentment, the happiness that they thought that they wanted, but it can almost even leave you more hollow, more empty. 
Because it's like when you have psyched yourself up for that ride at that amusement park and you've been looking forward to it all summer when you were a kid and then you finally ride the ride, but it was so made up in your head that by the time you did it, you're like, that was just really disappointing. This is what some pretty well-known celebrities had to say in a little video compilation about their experiences with fame and celebrity. When How I Met Your Mother first went on the air, I ran into an actress that I uh, knew, and she said, are you just, like, so happy all the time? Why am I unhappy? Okay. Okay, Stephanie Gaga hybrid person. Why are you unhappy? Why is it that you want to quit music? And I remember thinking, like, oh, that sitcom's coming. Like, that sitcom, it's coming, it's coming. And when I got it, I mean, I won't say it was a depression, but you kind of go through a disappointment because it can't, it, that fame or that thing didn't satisfy the way you thought it was going to satisfy. I had bought into the not uncommon notion that when I taste success, when I get over there, then I'll be happy. But the strangest thing happened. As the show got more successful, I got more depressed. I thought it would be good to be rich and famous. It would be good to be the opposite of this. It would be good to have stuff. It would be good to have money. It would be good to be invited to the party. Well, I've been invited. I've been in. We're having this chat in a private Swiss members club in East London. It's super cool. There's bare brick walls. Everyone's double good looking. But I've been inside now. I've seen the other side of the looking glass. It ain't f***ing worth it. It's not good. Don't feed your soul. I still feel empty inside. I had everything a man could want, even then. I had... I was a millionaire. I had a beautiful, beautiful women in my life. I had um, cars, a house, an incredible, uh, a solid gold career, and, and a future. And yet, on a daily basis, I wanted to commit suicide. As a Beatle, we made it, and there was nothing to do. We had money, we had uh, fame, and there was no joy. You know, I thought that all would be helped and healed and soothed by fame. Because when I get famous, yes. then I will, I will be less lonely yes. and I will be understood and I will be loved and that love will go in and heal any of the broken parts. And then I came to see that it was actually quite isolating. We are told that if we're beautiful, if we're skinny, if we're successful, famous, if we fit in, um, if everyone loves us, that we'll be happy. But that's not entirely true. If you are looking for fame to define you, then you will never be happy and you will always be searching for happiness and it, you will never find it in fame. There are carrots that we chase. There are things that we look to in our life to bring us happiness and contentment, to bring us fulfillment that just end up leaving us empty. Now, to be clear, there's nothing wrong with being good at something, at being good at what you do, to, to reach the pinnacle of your career, to be successful. Matter of fact, in Scripture, over and over, we see that God used fame and recognition to bring people into a place of influence. And in Chronicles, we read that, that God said to David, that, or that God set David up. David did as God commanded him. So David's fame spread throughout every land, and the Lord made all of the nations fear him. David, Moses, Abraham, countless people given incredible platforms. There's nothing wrong with being good at your job, at your hobby, at your career. There's nothing wrong with pursuing fame. The people who are playing in the Super Bowl today, they're going to receive 
some accolades. They're going to find some degree of fulfillment at having reached the goal that they were shooting for. There's nothing wrong with pursuing it. But if we think that that thing is going to leave us satisfied, we're wrong. Now, at this point up until now, it's easy for us to look at these people like that, the the famous, and say, you know, again, I I don't have much to worry about because I don't have a budding musical career. I'm probably not going to be playing in the NFL, and I'm going to be lucky just to be able to stay at my job for the next, like, five years. I'm not trying to work my way up to be the CEO, right? We've moderated our expectations to this degree, but, but in our culture, there are different levels of fame, and, and fame for us may look or sound different, because when I'm talking about fame, I'm talking more about recognition. For us, fame looks like being liked, being approved of, especially within our social media savvy world. We are constantly judged according to the image that we portray. This is especially true for those of you who have kids coming up, either millennials, Gen Z. So anyone born after 1981 would fall in the millennial or Gen Z category. You know, the developmental psychology asks some tweens, uh, preteens in that age group there, what, what is your hope, your aspiration for your life? And, and kids said overwhelmingly, I want to be famous. I want to be on YouTube, and I want to be like a, an influencer. I want to be out there and to have this huge audience. Not only do they want that, but it's, it seems completely within reach. Because we can go on YouTube, and we can find people who have huge followings. Millennials, in one survey, it's 50% of millennials believe that their life not only could, but should be turned into a movie. Think about that. Like, my, my life, I know, is, is, is my life, but, you know, nobody's going to be watching this movie, right? Uh, so, but there's this idea that, that fame is out there, it's within reach. How about this? 70% of millennials, and I would say probably a good portion of people even that are not millennials or younger as well, 70% of millennials chose or intentionally chose activities that would give them something to post to cultivate an online image, right? I'm going to go to this restaurant, not because I want to go there, but because I'm going to get a good Instagram post from it. Uh, You know, I'm going to pursue this activity, not because I want to do it for me, but because it's going to, like, help my brand. You know, within our our culture and our day-to-day, we don't have necessarily the widespread pursuit of fame on a global stage of being the next Hugh Jackman or Lady Gaga or whatever it is. But what we have are these micro cravings for fame. For you and for I, what it looks like is this desire to be liked, to be recognized, to be accepted. Because to be liked, to be recognized, to be accepted, to be known, to be loved, makes us feel fulfilled. And you might find this showing up in your life in all sorts of different ways. So one example would be like when you overcommit. When you overcommit to something, you end up doing more than you would like because you don't want to let anyone down. 
And your desire to be liked, to be appreciated, to be valued, causes you to say yes to things that you probably shouldn't have said yes to. And you don't say no because you like the feeling of being liked. You like the feeling of being valued. And you have this deep need to be liked by everyone. Because of this micro-craving, you end up saying yes to things that you probably shouldn't have said yes to. Or it might look like this. Maybe it's doing something that you want credit for. This is true, especially in the, work por- in the, in the workplace, especially in competitive environments. In the same way that if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. It's kind of like, you know, if a project gets done and doesn't get attached to someone, did it even happen? Does it even show up on your career resume? So, like, you want to make sure you go out of the way in that next board meeting to say, you know, oh, yeah, yeah by the way, that, that was me that, that spearheaded that project. You know, we want to be recognized for something. We want to receive the credit for something. Now, to be clear, doing something to help somebody, not wrong. Doing a project and feeling fulfilled by the thing we did, not wrong. These, are, these things are part of what it means to be human. We want to be good at things. But these micro cravings for fame can lead us to fall into some unhealthy patterns, can lead us to crave credit and attention to the detriment of our identity, to the detriment of our peace, of our sanity. Or it might look like this, maybe when you're oversensitive to criticism. You may have posted something online, on Facebook, and you have... 49 people that like what you said and like pat you on the back and good job. And you have that one person that criticizes you and that, that's all that you obsess about. You know, that person doesn't know the real me. That person doesn't know what I meant by that. And, and you're like obsessed with this need to be validated. It's what leads to all these flame wars on social media is like one person understanding somebody else and the next thing you know, they're going back and forth and you're trying to justify yourself And that's rooted in this deep-seated desire to be approved of, to be liked, to be valued, to be recognized. It can cause us to be overly sensitive to criticism instead of recognizing, yeah, that person doesn't know you. And that thing that they said may not sum up who you are. And it's not worth obsessing over. David in the Psalms, he had this advice for people who was pursuing success, fame. He said, don't be impressed with those who get rich, with those who pile up fame and fortune. They can't take it with them. Fame and fortune all get left behind. The things that you chase after are temporary. Those players that win today's big game are going to have a moment in the very near future, where they're going to be sitting on the couch and they're going to be saying to themselves, now what? I I won what is the pinnacle of achievement for my sports, and now what? Well, you know, some may be able to delude themselves by saying, okay, I'm going to win it again next year. And they might. But every success comes with this now what moment of saying, okay, You've, you've gotten it. Now what? That job you've been finally chasing, you finally got it, but now what? 
That career you thought would define you, you got it. Now what? Because these carrots that we chase, these things that are out there on the end of a string, cause us to, like that, that hamster, spin our wheel in this constant desire of thinking that there's something else out there that is going to define me, that is going to bring me that happiness. David said, just when they think that they've arrived and folks praise them because they've made good, they're buried in the ground where they will never see sunshine again. That's a little bit of a dark, morose way of saying all of this is temporary. Sure, chase after that career. Sure, try to be the best you can at what you do. Here at Inspire, we, we strive for success in all that we do. We're constantly trying to improve things from the very first time that we started, our very first Easter egg drop years ago to where it is now. Every year, we're making improvements. And, and somewhere along the way, we said, okay, well, what if we stopped doing it just as our church? And what if we added other churches into it? And we made this a community thing. And then that took off. And now how can we connect us to something bigger than ourselves? How can we can not get content with just an egg drop? What if we did something like a trunk or treat? And what if we use that as an avenue for raising funds for this worthwhile cause? We're constantly striving for bettering ourselves, for improving ourselves for pursuing excellence, because there's nothing wrong with pursuing excellence. But recognizing that at the end of the day, that pinnacle of achievement is not as grand as it seems, and it won't bring the contentment that you think you have. So we're going to be talking in this series about carrots that we chase, but we're not just simply pointing them out to say, all right, these are things that we think we're going to bring happiness, but they don't. We want to give you alternatives. What are the things that we do that actually do bring us contentment? How do we live our lives the way that God wired us to live? That John 10.10, because in John 10.10, Jesus said, I've come so that you might have life, that you may have life to the full, a more abundant life, a more fulfilled life, you could say. Jesus wanted us to live lives that were fulfilled, that were rich, that were complete, but he recognized that that wasn't to be found in all the things that we think bring fulfillment and contentment. Well, one of the first things we can do is to be content, to be grateful for where God places us and to recognize the places where God is already at work. John Pavlovitz, author and blogger, he says it this way. He says, please put joy on your agenda today. Don't make it wait. Create space for it. Fill your time with the people and animals who make you feel loved with time spent in the places that refresh and inspire you. Pursue something that brings you happiness, not for the purpose of getting more followers on social media. Do something not just for advancing your career, but pursue something that brings you happiness and contentment as a child of God created in his image, enjoying this breath of life that is in our lungs, enjoying this very moment that is given to us by God and find contentment there and recognize that God has already given you everything you need. One of the best definitions I've heard for contentment that has stuck with me through the years is that contentment is realizing that God has already given you or that you already have everything you need to be happy in this present moment. You already have 
everything you need to be happy in this present moment. If you think that the happiness that you want is just one job promotion away, one relationship away, one social media like away, you're fooling yourself. You have what you need to be happy now because God has given you the very keys to the kingdom, this life, an abundant life that he offers us, and it happens by recognizing that he already has given you everything you need right here and right now. So what brings us happiness and contentment? Not being known for something. One day you may look back on your life and you may be able to point to some things that you accomplished. You may be able to say, I was able to win this award. I got this trophy. I competed here. I did this. I high-fived Bono. I did all of these things. But more importantly than being known for something, this is where I want to leave us. More important than being known for something is allowing yourself to be known by a group of someones. Because here's what I can tell you about fame. Again, not from personal experience, not famous, but every person at the top of their field will tell you that the more famous they get, the more that they are known by more and more people, the more valuable that close circle becomes. Because there are millions of people who think that they know all the celebrities they read about in the magazines, but those relationships that matter to them are the ones that are the closest, deepest, most intimate relationships of the people who know the real them. And I would challenge you to say this, that in your life, you may think that simply being known by more and more people or being known for more and more things is the key to happiness. And what I want to challenge you with is to allow yourself to be in a community where you can be known by a group of someones. As your formation pastor here at Inspire, I believe one of the best ways to do that is by engaging in community groups to be in a life group. You know, I, I've had women tell me that have been in tables now here at Inspire for a couple years, that those women in that table group are some of the most meaningful relationships that they have because they tell me those women have been through some of the best and worst times of my life with me, and they know the real me. I, I can tell you for our life group that... I have the privilege of being in. I can be in that group, not as a pastor. I, I take off my pastor hat, and I'm simply known by a small group of someones. And they've known me from the good times to the bad times. And there's something so powerful about allowing yourself to be fully known about not having to cultivate this pretense, about not worrying about this image, this persona that you're doing. Because to chase after likes and approval is a never-ending quest. It's a hamster wheel that just keeps spinning. Because we think all these things make us more likable, and before long, we've cultivated this image of ourselves, whether online or in our workplace or in our, our communities. And one day we look at that person and we said, I don't even recognize this person because this is not the real me. So our, our hope and desire for you is that you would allow yourself within this community to, to be able to surround yourself with someone, a group of someones that know the real you, 
Because God created us, he wired us to live in community, to not chase after these false carrots that we think are gonna bring us happiness or contentment. I'd love to talk to you about that. If you have uh, some questions about some of the ways you can be involved, whether it's through tables, uh, some of the things that the women are doing, whether it's through life groups, um, or whether it's through individual studies or things like that. But that, at the end of the day, are the things, these are the things that God has wired us to be able to find happiness and contentment in this world because he created us to live in community. He created us to be in community. Can I pray for us? God, thank you so much for uh, these, these desires that, that are from you to, to want to be known, to be loved, to be accepted. The, these are God-given needs that we have as human beings. But beyond any simple surface likes or affirmation, there is a deep, deeper level of knowing, of being loved. That starts first from being in relationship with you, of recognizing that you have created us in your image and that we are deeply loved exactly as we are and that we matter to you. And we find our deepest level of fulfillment and life in our relationship with you. And beyond that, we're encouraged to lean into community with those in our church to allow ourselves to be known. So may we have the courage to do so. May we have the courage, those of us who need to, to step off the hamster wheel and stop chasing false carrots of things that we think are gonna bring us happiness and contentment. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Westfield area, we'd love to see you at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions and more information about our services and family ministries, check out our Facebook page or visit us online at www.inspire.church.